The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Mountain Park. So glad that you're here, and uh, uh, welcome uh, back to the Honduras gang. Great, great to hear from you guys. Uh, if you were not here last Sunday, uh, Marsh spoke, and uh, I got to listen to it this week and uh, discovered early on at the beginning of his message when he uh, absolutely threw me under the bus, <laughs> saying that I stay up too late on Saturday nights and that uh, during the worship time, his time, that I sit here and I don't uh, pay any attention to him uh, or to the uh, worship time. So I heard that, and so I thought, well, then I, I get a chance to, to speak uh, this Sunday. I thought, how can I counterattack? Uh, Marsh, because, because I get the microphone next. And, and so I thought about it, and I thought, you know, it's not appropriate to go after somebody when they're not here to defend themselves. It's not fair. Now, he might be okay with that, doing that when I'm not around, but for me, that's, that's below me. And so uh, just wanted to let you know that... Uh, see, Marsh is like any other uh, good friend that I've had in my life. There are certain uh, areas and moments where Marsh is great, and then there are other areas where, like when he has the microphone, where not so much. Um, and see, if you think about the people that you do life with, the people that you hang out with, there are, there are certain things that you want to do with certain people and certain things that you're going to do with other people that, that no friend is a perfect fit for every area of your life. You may have somebody that you like to party with. But, and, and that might not be me because of what I just did. Um, I get that. I get that. See, I'm not, I couldn't be anybody's perfect friend. But maybe that person is not the one that you are going to sit down and have a deep, long talk with. Maybe those aren't going to be the same people. Maybe there's a friend that you have who would be great on a vacation because the person is so reliable, but maybe not, may not be the perfect friend in another area of your life. Maybe you want your accountant who's great at the accounting piece, maybe you want your accountant to loosen up just a little bit. Maybe you want your hairdresser to be a little bit more organized. Maybe uh, there's some people that you like to talk about sports with and other friends you like to talk about parenting and other friends you like to talk about the food uh, when you're eating. There are different kinds of connections that we have with different people, but no friend is going to be perfect enough to fit in all the different categories, to be the perfect friend in, in every area. Now this year, we're calling it AD, the year of our Lord. And what we're doing is looking at what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. What, is it, what would it be like to be one of the 12, to hang out with Jesus, to put on the sandals, to put on the tunic and spend time with Jesus? What if that relationship with Jesus is the perfect fit in every area of our lives? What if that's what this relationship was designed to be? So that the Jesus piece in our lives is not supposed to be just a great connect with one part of our lives, the Sunday morning part or the spiritual part or the morality part, but that Jesus is to be the perfect fit in every area of our lives. What if Jesus has the ability to mold and shift and be the ideal connect for us in every area of our lives? What if that's part of what it means to be one of the 12? What if? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I'm thankful for your presence here today, and I ask that you would 
make yourself real um, to us in a way that would reflect your character and how you want to connect with us today. We pray, um, Lord, that in these next few moments that we would um, just kind of relieve ourselves of, of some of the tension and, and all the things that are bouncing around in our heads, myself included, God, that I would be fully present right here with you, with each other. Come, have your way. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to begin uh, by looking at just a little story in the book of Matthew. Uh, if, you, if you brought your Bibles, I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 16. Uh, we're going to spend most of our time elsewhere, but I wanted to take a look real quickly at a little gem in Scripture in Matthew chapter 16. We're jumping into the story in uh, verse 5 here of Matthew chapter 16. When they went across the lake, this was the 12 as well as Jesus, the disciples forgot to take bread. Now, see, I'm the kind of person who, uh, if I have an important document that I need to bring to work, it's a really important piece of paper and I need to bring it from home to work. I'm the type of person who would put that document either on top of my keys or underneath my keys And then I would put a note on my computer, a post-it note that would say, remember to take the document to work. And I would ask my wife to help me with that and remember that. And then when I was heading to work, I would move the document aside, pick up my keys, and then go to work and not bring the document. I'm that kind of person. I don't know if anybody, anybody anywhere close. Thank you. God bless your honesty. Now, Now, you see, I am not a perfect friend. I'm not a perfect, because of some of these absent-minded things that I happen to do. So I love reading in this story that the disciples forgot the bread. Uh, I can identify with that. They were going to be out there for a long time. They were going to get hungry, and they forgot the bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this amongst, among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Thank you. Isn't that a great story? I mean, it's just a little glimpse, this little gem that we get in here. Jesus is talking about the, 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 he's doing a metaphor, talking about the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And and the disciples hear that, be careful with the yeast, they're hungry, be careful with the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're listening, and then we get this sweet gem of, of what they're thinking in that moment when, he's, when they're saying, it's because we forgot the bread, Peter. It was your responsibility. You're the one who was supposed to bring the bread. I love this kind of detail that we sometimes get in Scripture. This is one of many examples when the disciples didn't fully understand Jesus. They didn't fully understand what was going on. Are there any times in your faith, in your uh, reading of Scripture, in your understanding of Jesus, where you don't quite get it all, where you don't quite fully understand what's happening. You're reading something, you, you, you are uh, connecting with Jesus, and you get to a verse, you get to a section, and you go, okay, that doesn't fit. I, I don't, I'm not quite tracking with that. Not everything fits quite as smoothly as everything else. You ever get to that point where it's just a little bit complicated, maybe even where it gets to the point where it's frustrating, there's a woman who came up to me a couple weeks after one of the celebrations. 
and just shared wonderfully and honestly how much she struggles with that kind of thing. She says she refers to herself as, as a black and white person, that whatever she encounters in terms of faith or in life or morality, it, she just wants it to be this way or that way. She just, she just wants clarity on all this stuff. Just explain this to me, Alan, or whatever. You know, uh, she wants scripture to, to make sense, black or white, boom, 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 one way or the other. And she struggles with uh, gray areas that appear in Scripture, or struggles with, with deep theological concepts like the Trinity. And how, how could Jesus, who is God, have moments in the story where he talks to God, who is God? I mean, how does that work? And I, and I so appreciate the honesty of, of this question and the, and the dialogue that we have there. But you see, that's what I love about this story, that it's alive, that it has the ability to challenge us and penetrate us and meet us where we are at and to be stimulating at whatever stage we are in our journey with God. Jesus has the ability to be both simple and mysterious. There's um, uh, uh, the movie Thumbelina, is a very simple movie. And my six-year-old daughter loves it. I would rather clean toilets than have to sit through Thumbelina. I'm just being honest with you. Now, on the other hand, there's the movie, uh, the one that popped into my head is the movie Memento. Remember this movie came out a number of years ago. It's about a guy with short-term memory loss and the whole movie is shot backwards so that everything happens backwards and you're trying to follow it and figure, and figure it along. Anybody seen that movie, Memento? Okay. Wow, six of you. Okay, well, it's, it's really kind of a, and then it won't make any sense for me to make the joke that my six-year-old daughter doesn't really like the movie so much, but, but she didn't watch the movie with me. Uh, she watched it by herself. Um, but you see, that is a mysterious movie. That is a complex movie, and most of the things are, that are either simple or mysterious. But Jesus, as we, as we discover his character, that's what we're doing here in this series, that's what we're doing here this morning, is both simple and mysterious. That a six-year-old has the opportunity to connect with Jesus through the simplicity of, Jesus loves me, this I know. Yet this woman who said, who describes herself as a black and white person, she can be challenged by Jesus and by what we find in Scripture. She'll be challenged by that for the rest of her life. In fact, so do theologians and biblical scholars. They, they wrestle with this stuff, with the mysteries of God for, the, for their whole lives. Jesus has the ability to be both simple and mysterious. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the extravagance of water. Water is just so extravagant. But it's also a great example of something that is both simple and mysterious. Water is simple. It's tasteless, colorless, odorless. It's like, it's like iocane powder. It is so uh, uh, simple. It is, it is also very, you know what iocane powder is? Princess Bride? Okay. The same six of you, uh, a lot of movie references, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but water is also so mysterious. You, you all know this, but, but uh, almost every material in the world expands when it is heated and contracts when it is cooled because the molecules, when it is heated, the molecules move around more, and so the, the object actually expands when something is, is heated and warms up. It becomes a liquid, it expands. It becomes a gas, it expands. Water is this amazing uh, a product because what happens is 
it expands when it's cooled. In other words, ice is lighter, less dense than water, and that's what allows ice to float. So that when we have a drink on a hot afternoon, the ice can bother us when we're trying to drink and we have to wrestle through the ice. God did that for us. There's another purpose for it. That if ice was more dense than water, then a pond or a lake would, would freeze from the bottom up. And so if, if a pond or a lake froze from the bottom up, it would completely, if it wasn't deep enough, it would freeze solid and all the fish would be like this throughout the winter. They'd be dead. But God allows water to expand as it, is, as it is frozen so that the ice would go to the top, seal a pond or a lake, and that would become an insulation for the lake and keep the water from freezing all the way through and keep the fish alive. God made water this simple yet mysterious thing so that the fish could stay alive, so we could eat trout. I mean, some of the most beautiful things in life are both simple yet mysterious. Jesus is both simple yet mysterious. And there are parts of his personality and his character that, connects, that connect with us in simple ways and parts of his character and his personality that can connect with us in mysterious ways. And sometimes, perhaps, we lean on one and miss the other. I want to take a look at a, at a few verses in the book of Colossians. That's where we're going to uh, spend the rest of our time. Colossians is found kind of near the end of the New Testament uh, in a section of uh, Scripture. There's four little books written by Paul, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. If you find any of those, you might be able to find the rest. I remember it as General Electric Power Company. My wife does God Eats Popcorn uh, for the GEPC. Anyway, whatever, however you want to handle that. But Colossians is the fourth in these four little letters. Colossians was written, as all these four were, were these letters, was written by Paul to a, an area uh, that had kind of drifted from their passion for Jesus. They had kind of drifted a little bit from their first love. And so I'm looking at Colossians chapter 1, and uh, in, beginning in verse uh, 21, Paul kind of gives a presentation of the gospel, saying here, here is what the gospel is, beginning in verse 21. If you, don't, if you have your uh, Bible, read along. If you don't, just, just listen carefully here. A presentation of the gospel. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant." Simple, huh? Sometimes when I read scripture, I, 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 I spend a lot of money in seminary. And sometimes I read scripture and I get to sections and I just go, that's a lot of words. Sometimes I get to sections and I just go, I got to read that again. I got to look for other sources. I got to find out what, what does this mean. There's a lot of uh, complex theological things going on here. This phrase, we were enemies in our minds. What does that mean? Verse 22, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. Reconciled you by Christ's physical 
body. It's pretty complex stuff. The simple version of this, what I just read, is Jesus loves me. This I know. There is a simple angle to the story of Jesus, and there's a mysterious angle to the story of Jesus. Jesus is both. And then he continues. Uh, Jump down to verse 25. I have become its servant, and the it is the church. I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. What he's saying here is that there has been a mystery. There has been an unsolvable mystery about the purpose of humanity and how the whole story is unfolding. The pieces have not The pieces of the puzzle have not been fully available to humanity to understand who God is and what this is all about until now, Paul is saying, that the one final piece that that, um, gives us clarity to the mystery of all of the whole shebang, the whole story, Paul says, this mystery is available now to us. Continue verse 27. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, in other words, not just the Jews, but to everyone, The glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me read that again. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is a person, Paul says. The mystery is a person. This is unlike anything, any other uh, 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 faith experience that humanity has encountered. That everything else says that we are to follow something. We are to follow some uh, teachings. Uh, Aristotle would say it, it, you, you follow his teachings. That Buddha would say you'd follow his meditations. That Confucius would say you follow his sayings. And the Muhammad would say, you follow the five pillars of Islam. But Jesus comes in, and instead of these, these things, these teachings, these writings, these words, Jesus comes in and uniquely says, follow what? Me. What does he say to the disciples? We looked at the stories we launched into this year. Follow me. It's a person. Paul says, the mystery is Christ in you. Elsewhere, Paul talks about about us being in Christ. It is this connection, this relationship, not about teachings, but with the connection with a person. This idea for Paul of, of us being in Christ is huge. He talks about being alive in Christ, about having faith in Christ, about being one in Christ, about having freedom in Christ. This is a consistent thing for Paul. It's about a connection. I've said this before, but it's not about theology. It's not about doctrine. What's so beautiful and amazing and wonderful about the Christian faith, about the Christian story, it is about a relationship with a person. That is both simple and mysterious. Jesus is both simple and mysterious. I want to do something up here uh, for just a second, and I need uh, two volunteers. Okay, uh, I need uh, one volunteer from this section and one volunteer from this section. And what will happen is uh, anybody who does not raise their hands, that's the one I'm going to ask to volunteer. 
Anyone? Okay. Uh, is there anybody, any, anybody interested in being a volunteer? It will be painless, reasonably painless. Thank you, sir. Come on up. And uh, one more from this side. Thank you. Come on up. Come on up. Give me a hand. Come on. They don't even know what they're doing. Okay. Tell me your name again. Nick. Nick. Okay. And? Lori. L-A-U or O? L-O-R-I. L-O-R-I. Okay. 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 Uh, here's, here's the challenge. Okay. You get one piece of paper, Nick, and Lori, you get one piece of paper. And you have 20 seconds to fold a piece of paper, and the competition is to see whose contraption is going to fly the farthest. Okay? Fold a piece of paper. You get 20 seconds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Identical plans so far. Nine, <laughs> 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Look at this. 15, 16, 7. How many seconds did I say? 20, okay, 17, 18, 19, finish the tail there, Nick, 20, awesome, okay, let me see, let me see, who wants to go first for the little competition? Lori's going first, ladies first, okay, I'm going to stand on the edge here, and this is a little competition to see who's going to, this, that's nicely done, looks good, that's something from uh, Star Trek, I think, here, ready, ready, boom, <laughs> Okay, okay, it's more uh, uh, form than function. Right, there. Okay, here we got another little, uh, whoa, okay, this one's going to be, pardon me? Kind of got messed up. Kind of got messed up, yeah. Happens in my life all the time. Boom, hey, there, it's not, not bad, not bad. Okay, okay, and the winner is Lori! Yeah, can we, thank you, Lori, thank you, Lori. Now, stay here for just a second. Now, what I contend is that I can, by folding a piece of paper, I guarantee I can go further than those two, and I'll take four seconds to build my airplane. You think I can do it? Okay, yeah. you time me. Time me. One, two, three, four. There we go. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Can we give these guys a hand? Nicely done. Nick and Lori. I didn't promise a prize, so you don't get one. Okay. Other than the satisfaction of knowing that you helped, sometimes in life we make things more complicated than what they need to be. Sometimes, I mean, the, the, the instant thing is I got to fold it and I got to make it, you know, look like origami or whatever. And, and sometimes in life we make things more complicated than what they need to be. And sometimes the simple truth is right in front of us and we're being all complicated and looking around the simple truth to go after some other things. Now, when I say simple, I'm not talking about being simple-minded. For those of you familiar with uh, the book of Proverbs, it talks about the simple or the naive. And uh, that's something very different. That's something different than what we're talking about. I'm talking about the simplicity of Jesus. The simplicity of Jesus cuts through rhetoric. It cuts through pomp. It cuts through circumstance. It It cuts through our human sophistication. At one point, Jesus is asked, if he could sum up all the law and the prophets. And he could have responded by saying, no, you you cannot sum up the word of God from the Hebrew scriptures. Every word is is honey, is is a sweet uh, uh, gift from God. But Jesus says, sum up all the law and the prophets. Over 600 laws we find in the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
love your neighbor as yourself. It's beautifully simple. Another time in the book of John, chapter 13, Jesus says, love one another. If you do this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you do that, everyone will know that you follow me. You're shaping your life around me. You are one of the 12 in a way where you want to become more like Jesus. He simply says, love one another. We know that, but we complicate it. And we throw in a whole bunch of yabbits. Yeah, but you don't understand my circumstances. You don't understand how unhappy I have been in my marriage. Love one another. Yeah, but you don't understand the efforts I've made to connect with my kid. It's been years and every effort I make just kind of comes smacking up against. I can't figure out how to penetrate his or her little heart. I'm done. I'm worn out. Love one another. Yeah, but I can't speak the truth in love with people I'm in relationship with, like Marsh talked about last week. I can't do that because I'll, I'll risk losing those relationships. Love one another. Well, I understand that sex is designed to be a gift in the context of the covenant of marriage. I understand that. And that, that the health of our relationship will we'll benefit spiritually and physically and emotionally if we choose to do things the way God had designed it. But I have needs. Love one another. Sometimes we make things way more complicated than what they need to be. There's a simplicity to them that sometimes we... We, we miss that simple piece and we, and we get around it. If we're honest about, about uh, our struggles with faith, maybe you're in a, in a crisis of faith right now and struggling with faith, faith in some way. If you're honest about the times where you struggle with faith, faith, most often it's not because of some complex theological issue. Most often it's not because of some doctrinal issue. Most often it's because of some simple Simple drifting on our part. Simple drifting of not paying attention to God. Simple drifting of, of going through days, weeks, months, not even thinking about Jesus' presence in your life. Simply drifting from the beautiful truth of Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. Sometimes it's, it's complex and it's complicated but Jesus loves me, this I know. Sometimes we make things more complicated than what they need to be. Jesus is simple yet mysterious. Maybe some of us struggle with the mysterious part. My wife has been enjoying the Thursday morning uh, women's uh, Bible study. Uh, it's called Plumline, where they've been looking at uh, different world religions. And um, so they were, they've been talking about um, some other faiths, and, and my wife's just kind of making the observation that some things sound a little odd, sound, sound a little bit weird in some other faiths. And, and for, so, for instance, uh, Jehovah Witnesses uh, believe that celebrating your birthday is, is a sin because it's an evil kind of self-centered experience. Uh, they also believe that uh, uh, many uh, Jehovah Witnesses believe that pastors of Christian churches, like yours truly, are the Antichrist. 
Now, as I said before, I'm, I'm not a perfect friend, I'm not a perfect person, but I'm no antichrist. I mean, not even my mother-in-law would say I'm the antichrist. Mormons, uh, Mormons believe in something called a celestial kingdom where, where only persons in the Mormon faith will be able to experience this celestial kingdom where they may actually have the opportunity to be a god or to be an angel, to be a, um, a supernatural being. And so my wife's just kind of being honest about learning about these other faiths and, faiths and just saying, you know, it's, um, some of that's kind of weird. And then I love her honesty in just saying, you know, it so depends on your perspective that there are elements of the Christian faith that sound a little bit odd if, if we're honest about it. And, and this whole year we're talking about uh, the year of our Lord and, and having a connection, having an actual relationship with Jesus. Really? You're talking about having a relationship with a deity who came in the form of a, of a person, of a man, 2,000 years ago, and we're actually going to have a real relationship not just know about this person, really? Really? That's a little weird. Let alone uh, things that are part of the faith like communion. In the first century, uh, non, some non-Christians, some Romans thought that Christians were cannibals because they ate the body of Jesus and drank his blood. They thought it was really weird. There are some Christian faiths, perhaps some that you have been a part of, uh, that... Um, that believe um, that the bread and the cup actually become the body and the blood of Jesus. They actually become, and so they're very protective of, of the elements. That's not what we believe here. Uh, we are not gonna uh, uh, be uh, divisive over an issue like that. Some embrace the words of Jesus very seriously when he says, this is my body. This is my body. And so some of that stuff, if we're honest about it, some of it is a little bit weird. Some of it is mysterious in terms of the Christian faith. Where do we land with that? Do you wrestle with some of this stuff? If your Christian experience is limited to the things that you can fully explain that you can touch, that you can describe, that you can uh, completely round off every corner, then your Christian faith is pretty small. And your God is pretty small. What about the mysterious things of life? What about healings? What about the miraculous? What about unexplainable coincidences? Where do those fit in your faith? Where does the mysterious fit in your Western scientific fact-based brain? Where does all that stuff fit? How do you wrestle with that? How do you manage those parts of the faith? Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, he says, the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is Christ in you. The mystery is a person. In fact, mystery is so often at the heart of relationship. That's what stirs things up when, when we meet somebody in a dating relationship. It is the mystery of where is this going to go? What's this all about? I want to learn more about this person. I want to stay up late and connect with this person. There's the mystery that drives us, and when mystery is completely gone, so is passion and so is romance. When mystery is completely gone, that's why many, in terms of human relationships, that's why many stumble into affairs. 
We know it's disastrous. We know it's a bad idea. It's disastrous for our future. It's disastrous for our finances. It's disastrous for our kids. We know that. That's the simple truth. But we are so driven towards mystery that we're willing to set some of these things aside because we want to keep the passion going. We want to stir up passion in our lives. What about embracing the mystery of Jesus? What about, about leaning into that maybe in ways you never have? Starting at um, Easter, we're going to launch into stage three of our, of our AD journey, which is called Wonder. And we're going to look at the more mysterious things of Jesus. We're going to be looking at this for a number of weeks. Maybe that will be a passion stir for you in your journey with God. Jesus is both simple and mysterious. And he has the ability to meet us exactly where we are, exactly where our heart is, exactly where our head is. Jesus has the ability to, to be that perfect connection, that perfect friend, that perfect uh, uh, need for us in different areas of our lives. That doesn't mean that we shape and mold Jesus. It doesn't mean that, okay, I have this need, so, so I'm going to make Jesus be and say and become and feel the way I want Jesus to feel. No, he does that for us. He does the molding. He does the shaping. He's the one who left heaven and came down to be with us. He's the one who meets us where we're at, not us molding him. So maybe this morning, some of you need to embrace the simplicity of Jesus, the simple beauty of Jesus, Maybe it's just the simplicity that Jesus loves you. Jesus still loves you, regardless of what happened this week, regardless of, of the weight of guilt that you are experiencing right now. We're going to respond with a number of different stations around the room, and if you're new with us, there'll be opportunities for you to perhaps experience the simple love and the truth of Jesus. You can pray unassisted here at the front you can come to the cross and perhaps there's something uh, uh, that you need to receive the simple love of Jesus by writing it on a red card and nailing it to the cross and saying, I don't want to take that back home with me. But maybe there are others here. Uh, again, we're going to be doing this over, over the next few weeks after Easter. But maybe there are others here right here today want to want to experience some of the mystery of God. Over here to the right, maybe one of the most mysterious things that we do uh, that along with communion is a very mysterious thing as well. But we do the anointing with oil for the, uh, the healing touch of God through the anointing of leaders in the church. It's not the power of the oil or of the person who does the anointing. It's the power of God. In your faith journey, where does that kind of mystery fit? If you're new with us, um, the stations are described in your program if you'd like to look that up a little bit more. There's communion available in the back if you are a follower of Christ. You can be served or you can uh, serve yourself. Or you can just stay where you are and just kind of reflect on the beauty, the beautiful simplicity and the mystery of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I thank you that um, there's simplicity to your story, that at a very young age, I learned that you loved me that when I was struggling um, at home, when I was struggling personally, when I, I just didn't get how the whole thing fit together, that somehow I knew you loved me. And God, I thank you that, um, 
that there is no journey any of us can take where we get beyond the mystery of who you are. You can handle it all. <laughs> and so, God, in the breadth of, of your simplicity and your mystery, each person in here in this room, age six to 96, each person here in this room can connect with you in a powerful way. And we pray over these next few moments that we'd have the opportunity to do that. We pray according to the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.